Hey, welcome today. Psalm 37 verse 23 says, the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. We've been in this series called Established. We just believe that that God wants to establish our steps. And we've been looking at different areas that we can deepen the roots of our life, if you would. God wants to really give us this new muscle memory of the faith in different arenas that will allow for spiritual maturity. I mean, we've looked at being before you do. We've looked at at following the crucified Jesus, not like the, the world's perspective of Jesus, I guess you could say. We've discovered really the the treasures that are buried in grief and loss last week. And then today we're looking at our limits. Now that's, how does that mature us looking at limits? Well, God gives us illustrations throughout scripture, but I think one of the most vivid stories of a life that was impacted by limits is the story of Gideon. Uh, The Israelites had been doing evil in God's sight. And so he removes his protective covering of them. And for seven years, they are being bombarded and ruled over at the hands of the Midianites. And uh, the angel of the Lord finally comes in answer to the prayers of the people that were crying out to God for uh, freedom, crying out to God for deliverance. And he hears their cry and he shows up And that's when we're introduced to Gideon. It says this in verse 12 of Judges 6. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero. Like, how good of a name would that be? If the the first time you have an encounter with God, you just hear, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles and ancestors the ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have. Not go with someone else's strength or go with the mightiest person's strength. Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my entire family. Weakest in the least, okay? The Lord said to him, I will be with you. I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Man, could it be that God intentionally chose the least among the weakest uh, for a reason? Well, the answer to that is, of course, absolutely he did, because he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call, and God was calling Gideon. I'm sending you and limits and all, weakness and all, you know, the least and all, the one with the most limits so that God would be the only one 
that could have made a victory possible. Uh, man, it, it took a bunch of confirmations. And you can read the whole story. A couple fleeces, a couple of convincings from God to get Gideon to really embrace this challenge that was being placed before him. But finally, Gideon places his trust in God to use him to lead this battle against the Midianites. And uh, God was not done demonstrating the lesson, though, teaching this lesson to, to Gideon and all of us who get the chance to look back on this text and learn from it as well. It continues in Judges 7, verse 1. So Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, I tell you, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving nearly only 10,000 who were willing to fight. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring and, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. And when Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup the water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. Okay. In the other group, put all those who kneeled down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Well, only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. So the Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will, notice who will, God will, right? I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and rams, horns of the other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. Oh, I just look at that and you can continue reading. Man, he wins the battle with 300. The people turn on themselves. They think there's a massive army. The God gives him a strategy and they execute it to perfection with his strength because it was him who was in the battle, right? Verse seven is the key. It will come down to God wanting to give you the victory. When we are facing limits, it's him showing off, showing up and showing off, right? Because it, we're facing a situation where we just don't have the capacity for the victory. And I look at that and Gideon's army was facing a loss of 31,700 people before the battle. How many would feel like you have the right momentum? Heck no. I look at that and I'm, I just, it's so encouraging because there's times where you just feel like your army is deserting you and you feel like the battle's ahead. What do I do? But with these limits placed on Gideon, there would be no one to give the glory to but God 
alone. Our big idea today is limits help us trust God more. I mean, they just, it, it's in that moment where I am limited. The only thing I have is to put my trust in you, God. Now, when we think of limits, you can think of things around us. Uh, that There's limits everywhere. Uh, we come in contact with them all the time, and maybe we're not even aware. So let me draw your attention to a couple. What about speed limits? It says it right on the sign, right? Uh, they exist to keep you safe, because if you go too fast around a corner and you fly off the road, you are going to hurt yourself and others. And so we have these speed limits, and that keeps us within the guardrails of life, if you would. Uh, it just carries limits can be for your own good and for others' good, so you don't fly into somebody's roof of a house on a corner. Uh, what about helmets? I was thinking about that. If you're riding your bike, scooter, um, you're, you're out there just cruising along and you hit the wrong bump and you go over the handlebars, helmet can save your life. Or on a skate park, helmets can be the difference. But they're uncomfortable, but they make you sweat more, but they take away your peripheral vision, maybe. I don't know. You can come up with all kinds of reasons not to wear a helmet, but the reality is it could save your life. How many were glad that they set limits on toilet paper during the hoarding of 2020, <laughs> right? Limits, they help us have provision. Kids and students, um, man, if you're watching this with your family right now, how many of you have screen time limits? I know we try to enforce that in our home. We just have a lot of screens, so we're chasing the limits on all of them all the time. But uh, it's so that your brain doesn't become like a scrambled egg. Yeah, that's our explanation. But I just look at that and I go, limits can benefit us. Healthy limits are important in every area of our life. And in reality, limits are deeply spiritual when we look at them through the context of scripture. And we get to know our place with our weakness and God's grace. And we end up trusting him more. Uh, maybe you've read through the scripture, but just not thought of some of the stories through the lens of limits. But how about the story of creation? The story of Adam and Eve in the garden is pretty interesting. Uh, Genesis 2.16, the Lord warned him, Adam, right? You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you're sure to die. Seems like a clear limitation, right? God wanted Adam and Eve to embrace this limitation so that his wisdom and love for them would keep them driven to lean into their relationship with him. Uh, but the enemy tempted that very fact, right? The enemy came in and started tempting them in this area of limits. He, you can see it in Genesis 3, 4, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So instead of accepting their limits, Adam and Eve became convinced that God was withholding something good from them. And in an attempt to become unlimited, they ate the fruit from the tree of good and evil. Now, you know, some picture that as an apple. Personally, 
Uh, I'm thinking the fruit was evil, so it was cantaloupe, um, because it, it leads to death if you eat it. I'm just kidding. I don't like cantaloupe. But I look at that and I go, they ate the fruit to try to be unlimited. And the fall of man was over limits. Now, interesting enough, this is the fall of Adam, right? The first sin of man. Paul writes about it in Romans 5, and he calls Jesus the second Adam. And interestingly enough, when you consider the life of Jesus, and after he had he'd fasted in the desert for 40 days, he is being tempted by the devil. And in the three temptations, each one approaches Jesus' limits. Uh, I look at the devil wanted Jesus to turn rocks into bread, which Jesus could have done, obviously, as the son of God. But instead, he embraced his limits because he came and considered himself of no reputation. He came as man, as a human, and uh, in, in the likeness of his father in heaven. And so he said he did not give in to that temptation. He was going to await God's timing. He could have jumped off the highest point of a city so that his father in heaven would catch him was another temptation. But Jesus embraces his limits of waiting on God's timing to be revealed before all the people there. It was not yet time, so he waited. I look at the final temptation, which was a high point that Jesus was on, and he could rule over the whole world, and, and he's like, and he could do it right now instead of resting in God's timing, but Jesus resisted. He embraced his limits, and Jesus didn't heal everyone. He, he didn't save everyone. He didn't go to the whole world, um, yet his prayers make it very clear at the end of his life that his work was, was finished. He accomplished his father's desires, and so he faced and embraced the limits before him. Uh, I'm sure you've found yourself, as I'm talking about this already, kind of thinking about limits. It just, it's natural, you hear it, you begin to ponder it, and, and that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna ask two questions today. We're gonna ask questions, what, what limits do I need to embrace, and, and what limits do I need to break through? How do I know it's a limit from God, or just, I'm, I'm, needing more faith to go ahead, you know? So uh, the first question is, what limits do I need to embrace? What limits do I need to receive as an invite to trust God more? Uh, I, I just start to dwell on this, and I think for Gideon, it was the limited number of soldiers, obviously, down to 300, uh, so that he could enter the battle and the limits of being the least and the weakest were there as well so that God would get all the glory. Um, as a kid, I wanted to play in the NBA. Now, I know you're looking at me going, I've, I had you pegged for a hoop guy, you know, you, you probably could touch the net. <laughs> and that's, I, uh, now I am extremely more gravity challenged than I used to be. But that said, I would spend hours 
shooting and practicing and and uh, mainly shooting uh, <laughs> and just practicing moves and trying to process the game. But honestly, as good as I worked towards becoming, there were so many people that were just better naturally than me. And they had even like a mindset greater than me. They understood the game better. And that's why I ended up just being like a shooting guy. And I didn't end up being the guy I imagined and dreamt that I would be in this game. As much effort and time, my goodness, that I put into this. Um, and my understanding of where God had gifted me at the time was underdeveloped, you know? And I'm sure people would look at me and go, what do you want to do when you grow up? I'm going to play in the NBA. You know, <laughs> they'd look at me and just kind of chuckle. Uh, but I really, I really thought that was true. But then... I allowed God to shape my desires. And as he pursued me and I kind of bumped into one obstacle after another, discovering my limits, I discovered my calling. I went from basketball to acting and singing to ministry. And, uh, and then that was like, oh, I was made to be a pastor to people. Now that was years and years in discovery, limit after limit that I was rubbing up against. And, and I look at that and some before I was a follower of Jesus and some after. And, uh, but they shaped me and it allowed me to trust God in a way. You see, limits are God's gift to us so that we can grow in wisdom. And it took me years to get there, right? In my 20s is when I started figuring it out. When faced with limits, we encounter God in ways we would otherwise never experience spiritually. I think that uh, much of what some people, maybe you've heard somebody say, I'm just burnout, you know? What they would be saying is burnout in life is actually from giving what you do not possess. It's like, you're, you're trying to pour a full glass of water out of an empty jug. And it just, it, it hurts. You end up crushing the jug, trying to get all the drips out and you're the jug, you know? So I look at that and, and Parker Palmer in his writing, Let Your Life Speak says, burnout is a state of emptiness to be sure, but it does not result from giving all I have. It merely reveals the nothingness from which I was trying to give in the first place. See, if we don't have anything, we, we're limited. So we gotta, we gotta work within our limits. And then as God calls us to break through those, there's new space to operate. That's question number two. What limits do I need to break through? So, so really that others might see progress and be and see the full potential uh, the, that I was made to be in the image of God, right? And it's like, how do I break through some of these limits and discern which ones to embrace or break through? Maybe these questions will assist you in, in even just your solitude. I think Jesus must have spent a lot of time in solitude. Obviously, we can read he did. But in his times with God, he must have discovered which limits to embrace and which ones to, to crush, right? 
And he was probably pondering questions like, which limits are God, are God asking me to break through by faith for the sake of his name in the world, right? To glorify himself. Or what limits of immaturity that God is asking me to break through in my personal life? Like, so how do I need to grow, mature, be more wise? What does it look like to break through limits? Well, God unfortunately gives us a ton of these illustrations in scripture. Uh, Sarah, man, she was 90 when she uh, broke through the limits of having a child. Um, Elijah had to break through depression to become this mighty man of God that he used. Um, the disciples were limited. They weren't educated. Uh, they had no prior experience in leading a movement, but Jesus left them with the responsibility of building the church. The gospel spreads through them. Moses was a murderer and he had a stuttering problem, but he was supposed to be the spokesman for the people of Israel to become free from Egypt. Um, Timothy was shy and uh, really wrestled with being authoritative in leadership. Mary was a teenager when she was told that she was going to have the son of God and a virgin. I mean, there's limits that some people broke through in the name of Jesus. So you could go on and on and on about these stories, but there comes a time where God will just plainly reveal himself to each of us and call us through our limitations. And I believe open life is walking through one of those times right now. And I can't wait to talk about this for a second and share this with you. In the past 11 years, Open Life has, has never had a ministry space of our own, right? We rent um, uh, what we used to call marketplace worship environments, you know, be it the Regal Theater or schools over the course of Open Life's life since January 10th, 2010. And, uh, and we've made do anything we wanted to do above and beyond the Sunday morning gathering, we've scrambled to find a space to do it, be it a park, a home, uh, renting another church in a time that was probably not the prime time, but a time that was available. So we would just kind of try to make it work. Um, and so we've done marriage trainings and, and discipleships and Open Life 101s and a, a lot of different things in these spaces uh, and it's been, uh, we've scrambled well, I mean, over the course of the many years. And we felt we needed to be, to, to be open about pressing through these limits by faith at different times, like to open ourselves up to maybe, let's look out, maybe we need a space to call home, a ministry hub or whatever you would call it so that we could do those things midweek and any time of the day and we could have that prime time that works best for everyone window but honestly our limits <laughs> faced us and numerical limits financial limits leadership limits and uh i know more than once we've said things like it just doesn't make sense on paper you know um and that is it, it in a way, embracing your, our limits, but in another way, it's a limit mindset. When God is challenging us at times to have a breakthrough mindset, right? Well, for the first 10 years, we lived within these limits and 
but last year it uh, became vividly clear when we had nowhere to pivot to that uh, we needed to pursue with more of an urgency. We announced in, in January 2020 with a 10 year vision was to have a ministry space. And it became clear by April that we needed a ministry space now, right? And so we started opening our minds to breaking through this limit. Uh, we understood that the time would, you know, that, that right now, it would be a first space, not the space for open life, but we were open to it. Uh, and it was it was time for open life to establish ourselves, root ourselves in the community a little farther, but we would need to, to break through financial limitations, the cultural uh, limitations to just be a benefit, continued benefit to the community. Well, we've been praying things. I mean, we've been praying things establishment and rooted type prayers like from Jeremiah 29, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you. Pray to the Lord because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And that charges me up to pray that prayer for, for us and that we would have eyes to see how we could do that. There's been moments where we've felt the leading of what if we could reestablish something? I mean, it's one thing to lease a building that's perfect and beautiful, well, and really expensive, but what if we could find something that's desolate and needs rebuilding? So I'd be drawn to pray passages like Isaiah 58, 12. You'll use the old rubble of the past lives to build anew, rebuild the foundations from out of your past You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. And so with a lens of those prayers in the middle of all that and believing those passages over our future, uh, I could easily relate and feel like Gideon in the middle of his story or more towards the end of the story before the battle. Because here we are in 2020 and we're watching people scatter, right? And it's like they're walking away from the river and you have less and less in the army and 130 people on a consistent week become 30. <laughs> we're meeting on Saturdays and, and we had a real sense of urgency all of a sudden to figure out how we were going to get out of Saturday and into Sunday. And we shared that this January. And it was right then that God opened up our minds to a building that was built in 1918 in the community. And uh, it's, it's right in the middle of where we all live. And we were like, man, how, how could we get into a building when all the buildings around us are so expensive? And yet, uh, would God break through this limit and give us a great price on this? Knowing the desperation that we were in, you know, this is in March, we're sitting here going, we need to move to Sunday. Well, no sooner do we start making calls to try to track down the owner of this building than uh, that it would be maybe possible if God did a, a miracle like he did in the, for the army of Gideon, both in our spiritual journey and our generosity. We we're like, how could we get into this? And uh, that we get the call from the school, you can move back into the pack in like a couple weeks for Easter. And so here we're contemplating a building and then we get this invite to the pack and we have this tension. Do we wait for the building? Do we move into the pack? What if we could do both? And so 
that was our pursuit. Uh, we started approaching the building and doing some due diligence on this building, inspections and prayer. And uh, we finally were offered a price that would allow both. It's a stretch, but it would allow both to happen. And uh, this building is the Finn Hall on 234th and Enwessel. And uh, so we, uh, it's the last Finn Hall in the state of Washington, built in 1918, remodeled in the, the it, it, 60s and 90s. And you just look at this building and you go, it has great bones. Not only do they wanna give us a, a steal of a price that's well below if they just put it on the market, uh, they want to use that money to create a scholarship fund at White River High School for graduates. And so it's like, it's generosity and a facility that we could utilize in the midweek for ministries that we have envisioned, that we've done, and those that we have yet to envision. And it really has been exciting us to rally around this. And it's time we, we want to invite you into the story of it. Uh, after much prayer, and yet still we need a lot of clarity and we're in the middle of a miracle. I mean, the miracle is like, okay, there's a miracle here. Do you wanna walk through the door? And we believe it's God calling us to break through the limit of not having a space and enter into our first ministry space. Again, not the ministry space, but the first one. And we're kind of excited about it. So we wanna invite you to a prayer and vision event at the Finn Hall on June 4th at 7.18 p.m. 7.18 p.m. And you're all invited. Uh, we're in between now and then. We covet your prayer because well, there's a lot of details that have to still take place. We haven't exchanged any money yet and we're, we've got things clarifying and processing back and forth. And, and we are going to need a miracle financially to step into this. But I believe God has us many strides towards that miracle. And now we're inviting you into this story. I think God's going to do something spiritually like he never has in our lives through this journey. And uh, we recognized our limits and we know where we're at. We are the army of 300 at this point. And yet God has presented us now with a moment to step into a building. It's kind of like he says, now you're small enough to pursue this miracle. And that just makes me scratch my head going, okay, Lord, it's only possible if you win this victory. Um, so our action point today <laughs> is recognize your limits. Recognize your limits. I think we've been processing that as a leadership team, and now we're inviting you into the journey. But what are your limits? Let's think personal today. What's the limits with your work? What limits are you facing in your marriage? What limits are you facing in your family or on your team? Students who are playing different sports. What limits are, are you facing mentally or spiritually or emotionally? Or, right? What limits are you facing with your time? And what limits do you need to confront? Which ones should you embrace? And which ones are, is God calling you through? We would love to walk through that journey with you. Man, I'm not kidding. When we wanna pray for you, 
We want to know the things that you're journeying through. And, and we've celebrated some great prayers this week. People who've commented back saying, God has answered this prayer, broke through some limits. And I want you to be a part of that journey as well. Once you identify your limits, you can term, determine what's next. Embrace or break through. So I want to pray for you. And I can't wait to, to walk through the next few months with you to see what God has ahead. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity you've given us to face limits, which allow us to trust you more, which allow us the space to depend on you. And, and it allows those around us to see how we deal with limitations and, and how you get the glory when we break through. So God, I pray that you would pour yourself out in each person's life that is watching. Thank you for the prayers that come in that we can align ourselves with each other as we embrace limits or break through limits or try to discern the both. And that, God, we could celebrate together in both scenarios when we live within our limits and yet when we break through and we begin to, I don't know, move the ball of faith forward in the community. I pray that, God, you would stir us today. God, we pray for this building potential and I pray that you would give us clarity in the next couple weeks before we meet on June 4th, that we would be able to put the pieces in, in place, the plan in place, maybe even as Gideon did with the trumpets and the different strategies he used in battling against the Midianites. Lord, may we battle our limits well for your glory and fame, that you would win the victory. We just lay all this at your feet. Let your will be done. We give you praise that we could meet today online and and we just pray that you would fan our faith into flame like never before, even through our limits. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, bless you. We can't wait to see you uh, online. Make sure you comment. We'd love to know you're here. Come join us in person if you're ready. Uh, we would love to see your face as well. But uh, June 4th, join us as well in person. So bless you. We'll see you next week.